guys play hard. Work hard, play hard, and live hard. What is going on, everybody? This is Pamela 2200 Tabs. I, um, this episode is going to be very different from everything that we've talked about this far. And this episode is actually going to be honoring a man who made a lasting impression on my life, on literally thousands of other people as well on their lives, uh, between, you know, changing family legacies to helping teenagers break through some barriers. And, uh, you know, we really want to honor this man who has made such an impact on every single one of us. And if you've been following my episodes, you'll know a lot of my guests have, um, they've talked about attending a, they've attended a training called Pathways Core Training here in Irving, Texas. And about a week ago or so, we lost a very, very big person um, in our organization. His name is Martin Boyd. And the circumstances around how we lost him, uh, for me personally, it I have been numb all week. I've been numb around the circumstances um, and very confused. Very, very confused. And... This man was one of the lead facilitators in my person in my training, my weekend walk training. And his story specifically is one of the big reasons why I chose to take suicide off the table. Why I chose to live instead of take myself out because of his story. Amongst everything else that that training provided, it was really his story that captured me. And you know, we just had uh, I'll just say this. I got a, I got word notification about a week ago that we lost him to suicide. And I immediately numbed out. I started getting phone calls. A friend of mine, you know, calling hysterically. And I, I didn't know how to process it. Just been super numbed out. May have cried once. I just didn't know how to do it. And this past weekend, um, which was February 8th and 9th, we had an opportunity to honor that man at a training, at one of our trainings this past weekend. And it was just so beautiful to see how so many people came together to remember a man that made such a huge impact on their lives. And I'm talking about people all as young as teenagers um, that had an opportunity to have him in their training to help. He helped these teenagers break through some serious barriers. He's helped adults. He's, he's helped families. He's helped literally thousands of people reclaim the kind of woman or man that they are and it was his story specifically that impacted me. And what I chose to do as part of my grieving process is to give people a platform 
to share stories about him, what he did for them, how he impacted them, and really try to capture just how special this man was and still is to many of us. And with that, I have been able to capture many stories that I'm super excited to share with you guys today. I've got a few people that came to the studio and I've got many more that I was able to you know, take a field recorder out to the hotel and just sit with them and look into their eyes, see their tears and just love on them for what this man did for them. I'm personally grateful for what he did for me and the way I, I'm going to choose to honor him and his legacy is to continue to give people a safe place to be vulnerable, to give them a safe place to just be themselves and love people right where they're at and God willing continue to keep serving in the rooms to help slay dragons because people are worth it and one thing I do want to highlight is this podcast is going to be about him and only him. So I hope you enjoy. And please, with an open heart, just embrace every little thing everyone's about to share because it impacted me in a way I didn't see coming, which was, it just left me speechless. And I want to thank each and every person who chose to share their stories with me so that I could share them with you. It's just beautiful. So uh, I just, I wanted to share a... It's kind of a funny memory for me, but... um, he did this thing in the walk, uh, day of contract circles, um, and you talk about a shark. When the shark was ready to attack, you could see it in his eyes. And I remember him walking around. I was tired as all get out. And he looked into my eyes and knew I was ready. Except this was back when we wore safety pin tags not um not the little clips and so he grabs me by the shirt and yanks me in and when he did that my safety pin came undone and stabbed me in the chest but then he proceeded to shake me as he's trying to get me to get into my heart and all i could think about was He's trying to kill me with a safety pin. He knew I was ready for my contract that day. I don't know how he saw it. I don't, but he knew. That was my funny memory of him. He literally stabbed me in the heart while he was trying to get into my heart. Um, okay. So, when I, when I started my training, um, 
I didn't trust any man. Not even my fiance. Didn't trust him. Didn't trust my father. Just because I never really had someone to stand up for me. And I went through my weekend without really much interaction with pretty much anybody. Um, I kept to myself, but when I got into my walk, it was like he was gunning for me. <laughs> it was like he was gunning for me. And you know, when you get into your contract, Silk Girl, they're like, all right, you're going to hear some noises. Things may get loud. Next thing you know, I'm screaming bloody murder in my contract circle. And the next thing I know, Martin's standing right in front of me. And he puts that stupid towel over my neck and says, he says, how does it feel to carry those strings, puppet? And I remember just beating on him. I beat on that man. He stood in that gap for me as the man that that sexually assaulted me. And he took it. And I remember walking out of that room without my towel on, without earning it off. And he said, where's your towel, puppet? And I said, right over there. He says, you got to wear that all the time. Next day, got back in that contract circle. Martin's right there again. And I remember going through the motions, fighting and fighting and fighting and I started off standing up. Couldn't tell you what happened in between the moments of me standing up and ending up in the fetal position on the floor with my eyes closed, full on ugly cries. And I opened my eyes and Martin's laying right there on the floor. And I don't think I've ever seen a man ugly cry until that moment. But Martin was right there in that moment, laying on the floor for me beating on him. And that was the moment when I saw that guy standing, laying there on the floor with me, saying, who are you? That I could trust a man again. That I could trust him to fight for me. Not only for me, but for the rest of my family. Not just for me, but for the man that I didn't trust at the beginning. Because he fought for him, too. He jabbed him in the chest with a needle. He fought for him so much, pulling him into the contract circles. And I remember Martin telling me that. He's like, hey, Harrison's going to tell you that I heard him in the contract circles, but it was a total accident. <laughs> and you're like, it's okay, Martin. You do what you got to do. That man, and the day my, my dad won, my dad won a scholarship at my graduation. And, you know, Martin's standing up there. And I just, I looked at him because I couldn't hear what was going through the mic. They said a name, but the mic wasn't on. And I looked around and I saw Martin and he was nodding his head at me. And he's like, yeah, that was your dad's name. So once again, Martin's there when another person in my life, another man in my life, life is being changed. I just can't say enough about him. He just, he always was there like a, he was like my, like a pathways daddy. 
Like, he's just fighting for everybody. And when I decided I wanted to, wanted to TA, I remember talking to him and Lori and, you know, saying, I just don't know if I want to do it. And he's like, you can do it, darling. You do it. And I'll just remember him just always encouraging. And I'll always imagine opening my eyes in the fetal position on the floor, snot running down my face, and Martin's looking at me. Like, that's just the rumor. I'm going to have to imagine him that way. Especially being someone that has stood up in the room that has had to fight those demons. So being someone that, that knows how, how much you have to hurt to feel like you should not live anymore. And knowing that, that he was feeling that way, you have to hurt bad. I remember in my training, I was the only one in my class that stood up when he asked that question. And I remember telling my story of sitting on my bed in my house by myself, knowing everybody else is at work, everybody else is at school, and having three bottles of prescription painkillers in my hands, wondering if I should, trying to decide if I should take them or not, trying to decide if if my life was worth living. And I remember Martin and Lori both looking at me (laughs) with those eyes like, why would you think that of yourself? And knowing that, that he fought enough for me to take that off the table, it hurts to know that there may have not been someone there enough, fighting enough for him to take that off the table in that moment that he felt so alone in that moment when all of us were really right here it makes you wish that you could you could just say what like could I say one more thing could I say one more thing to you before you make that decision but I gotta remember that vision of laying on the floor (laughs) in the fetal position hugs he's so tall the contract hugs and the pillows I got pillowed too he gave me all the things he definitely didn't take it easy on me he must have heard me scream and be like oh I'm gonna get her I feel like there's so many words that you can say in a moment like this. There's so many thoughts and there's so many ways you can go.
I wanted to share something uh, about Martin. Uh, when I came into Pathways, I was about 1% of the man I am right now. And uh, I walked into that room with an idea of what leadership was. You know, I thought that leadership meant being in charge and telling people what to do and making what you represent take precedent. Um, but then I watched as this man came in front of the whole room and with this beautiful candor, he made himself vulnerable and dropped right into his heart. And I looked around the room and I just saw how much the people respected him and how much they were listening. And it seemed like he was leading them walking side by side instead of standing in front of them. And so that's what Martin symbolizes to me, uh, leadership through empathy, leadership through compassion, leadership through kindness and love. And that's what Martin means to me. And I'm so grateful that I got to start Pathways when I did and that he handed me my graduation certificate and uh, that I got to experience that love and uh, always be in my heart. My fondest memory of Martin is my contract circle. Um, multiple contract circles later, going in and out, Desperado, Martin has me standing on a chair, staring at him and literally half my class because there was only two circles left. And he's, I don't remember anything he said exactly, just I was almost there. And I'm looking out at the crowd of people in my class and he's talking about how, you know, being spontaneous and just living life. And basically that was kind of the theme. Why couldn't I just do spontaneous? And at that moment I thought, I'm supposed to crowd surf. I'm supposed to jump in and just do it right now because that's what I'm missing from life. And for some reason I saw Martin look over behind me and I went to turn and he said, don't, don't look back. And at that very moment, I took a deep breath because I thought, shit, I'm supposed to fall backwards. I'm not supposed to jump forward. And I kind of laughed and, and he just kind of looked at me weird because I was laughing at that point, no longer serious. And, and for a moment I just thought, well, I can't, nothing bad can happen. They're not gonna let me kill myself. And it's, you know, liability, so I can't hurt myself. So this is easy. So he's like, just trust me and fall backwards. And so I knew at that point it was safe because I wouldn't, they wouldn't let me hurt myself. So standing on a chair in front of all these people, I trust fall into this downy pillow mountain. And in that moment, I hear him say from that place right there, what do you feel or what's in your heart? I don't remember. And that's, you know, I'm an open, free, compassionate woman, and that, and I just remember feeling this lightness, this like feeling of just weightlessness in life. And it was really late; everybody was exhausted, and I was the last one. So, without going to the table, without any hoopla, Lori throws down a piece of paper and some markers, and I scribble my contract on the floor. And everybody was so relieved to be done. Um, and 
honestly just that's all I can think about is just that look in his face of no matter how tired he was, no matter how exhausted and how long that day was for them, I could have been the first contract circle of the day um, because you couldn't tell that he didn't have anything left. He was still there full, fully present. So there was a Martin moment that changed the course of my life that gave me a direction that I never really had before with God was when I came into Pathways, I knew that I, I didn't know that I had unforgiveness for myself, but I knew that um, I couldn't forgive myself. And so I wore like a badge of honor, the story of God could forgive me all he wanted, but I would not forgive myself. And I remember I spoke to so many different people and told that story and they would agree with me. They understood, they could relate. So there was no challenge, right? They just agreed with me. So it was like, yeah, that's right. So I could just chalk another badge on, you know, and, and, and have more pride around it. But Martin looked at me and said, what I hear you say is that you are higher than God. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the opposite. And he said, that's not what you're saying because you're taking his forgiveness and you're putting it aside and you're saying my forgiveness is higher than that. I get to decide who forgives and who doesn't forgive. I get to be the judge of that. And that's not true. I don't get to be that judge. And so I had to forgive myself. And when I was able to do that, I was able to actually become who I'm supposed to be. But it wasn't until that moment. You know, some of the memories I have of him, um, that smirk that he would give you, um, those eyes that he would give you would just kind of penetrate your soul. It's almost like you had this gift of being able to, to see what was going on without seeing anything, you know? And I don't re remember many interactions with him, but the one thing I do remember is um, how he showed me what vulnerability was all about, especially coming from a man. Um, you know, the culture that I lived in, they never, my parents never talked about any of that. We never talked about, hey, what's going on? What kind of problems are you having? Um, so I never really experienced that, and um, this is going to get a little deep, but, um, you know, I had my first experience with uh, an attempted suicide when I was probably around 21, um, and I kept telling myself, you know, this is more of a cry for help, um, but I actually went through, you know, thinking, well, I'll just, you know, I'll pop a pill pop another one I'll pop one more and um, I reached out to somebody and said hey this is what's going on I'm struggling I just did this you know um, last thing I remember was my friend my good friend Juan who actually has gone through the training here um, walking me out trying to get my heart rate up you know that's the last thing I remember um, then the next thing was me waking up uh, in the hospital 
and I had, I just, I'll never forget, you know, it's, it's that weird feeling of, you know, where am I? And you see, or I saw all these people, and it was, you know, it was my family. And I'd never experienced something like that before, you know. Um, it's kind of a little scary, kind of a little confusing. Um, but I, I tell you this because, um, I guess the moral of the story for me, um, I always denied it. I denied it and... Um, denied what? The suicide attempt. Um, it wasn't until the walk where Martin gets up and tells his story. And um, that man showed me what courage looked like. And uh, I'll never forget that. Um, it really touched me. Um, I saw for the first time what it was supposed to look like. And um, from that day on, you know, I was, it wasn't easy, you know. It, it's, it's the whole definition of, of being courageous, right, is doing those things and still being scared but going through with it. And he, he taught me that. He taught me how not to be afraid. Own who you are. As that sign says right there, I, I cannot change or heal what I do not acknowledge. That was the first time that I acknowledged the suicide attempt, and uh, all because of Martin. He had such a huge impact, and he doesn't. I don't. I don't. I can't say he doesn't know it because he saw me through the training, but it was an indirect way of of him sharing his gift with with the world, and you know the impact that it had on me it was amazing, and and. Uh, uh, I, from that day, I just felt this love for him that I kind of wish I would have. And, and maybe I did, you know, when you go through that training, it's so, it's so, um, you don't even know, know what day it is. You know, everything's kind of blurred. Everything's kind of coming together. But um, there's one thing for sure that I know is that he knows now. You know, I know he knows. And uh, uh, I know he's—I know he's watching. He's doing some amazing things, even through through the legacy that he's left uh, in in these training rooms, in this class, going through through the training. You know, as a TA intern, um, there's just things that have happened that make me think. You know, that was him. You know, and that's that's beautiful. So even through all that ugliness, the messiness that we go through, there's, he's still leaving gifts. And that's, that's what I wanted to share. Martin Boyd. I didn't know Martin Boyd when I started my training in 2012. Um, he wasn't the facilitator of uh, the weekend walk. He was a facilitator of P2. So on Thursday of the walk contract day, um, he came in as an anchor to help out, and he just goes up to my circle and pulls me out, said, you're not ready. And I'm like, who in the hell are you? You've never been in my training up to this point, and you just want to come in 
and just act like you know me and pull me out. And he's like, yeah, you're not ready. And he walks away, just real cool. I was pissed. Friday comes. We start again. He pulls me in again. He says, you ready now? Yeah, I guess. So I was, you know, trying to play hard and everything. He saw I was faking it. And he's like, man, I'm not breaking this guy. For some reason, I'm not breaking him. And, you know, me, I was in the gang growing up and I was in prison, you know, at a young age and everything. So nobody could break me. Well, then he figures something out. He takes a girl and he uses that girl as my daughter. And he says, the guy that you are and you've always been is going to take your daughter from you. And that's and you can't do nothing about it. And that was it. It was a trigger. It went off. I went off on him. It took about six other TAs to come in and help him out because I was drugging him all around the room. After, I guess, about an hour, we end up on the floor together. I'm just bawling. And he's like, you don't have to fight anymore. It's over. You don't have to fight anymore. Here's your little girl, and these little arms come around my neck. And that's when I knew I was broke. So... Then I went to P1, and I went to P2, and come to find out in P2, he's the facilitator. I'm like, shit, I'm going to deal with this guy again. Well, then he pulls me in, and, you know, we're working out again. So for me, it meant so much because, you know, being in the gang and the family, I grew, nobody fought for me. I always fought. I was a fighter. I always fought. I had to fight. Nobody fought for me. Nobody cared about me enough. So... To see Martin and these other people just come in, not even know me, and then fight and stand in the battle with me and fight, that meant a lot. So from that point, he became my hero. Anybody that's willing to step in the gap for me and fight is my hero. So um, I ended up losing a hero. You know, and then we served together a few times. He helped me out with some of my legal stuff and everything, but... Yeah, Martin, Martin's my hero. Even though, you know, your, your heroes, you don't throw them away, you honor them. And I honor him by being here every month, stepping in the gap and fighting for these people here. Like yourself. I love it. That's all I got. Okay, a lot of people know this story, but I was told it was a seminar. <laughs> so when I showed up for the weekend, I had my laptop, I had my phone. I pulled out my laptop and I'm going to work while they talk. That was my, that was kind of what was happening in my head. I quickly was, you know, shut down with that saying, that's not this kind of seminar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, so I quickly started to realize, ah, okay. Yeah. I was way off on this one. I, it wasn't until the walk that I ever had any, um, experience with Martin. And for those of you that you know, in Mook 285, or it was on the team. You know, you probably remember I, I wasn't doing a lot. I didn't really participate. I didn't really play. It was really superficial. Um, I just, I, I just didn't get into the whole thing. And when we went to the walk, I was still kind of, <laughs> I, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. I wasn't put my feet in the pool yet. I was just kind of going, eh, I'll, I'll watch from afar, see what you guys do. Um, there was one particular instance where 
people that have been in the training understand this. And there's one part in the training where the team leaves the room and kind of the class kind of bonds. And at that moment, um, I was trying to get a microphone because our class was so big, we couldn't hear what other people were saying. And Martin, and I forget who else was there, I can't remember, um, was sitting over there on the table, just kind of watching what was going on. And I went over to get a mic. And he said, you know, he started arguing me about getting a mic. And I said, I was telling him, I said, dude, I need, I need to get a mic. We can't hear each other. And he was kind of being really, really uh, confrontational. And so I basically called him a fucking prick. And I started to go after him like I was going to rip his head off. And I don't remember, I honestly don't remember if people stepped in and separated us or if we got in each other's faces and we pushed each other. I don't remember what happened after that. I just kind of saw red, which is kind of a theme in my life. Um, that was my first words with Martin. My first words to Martin was, you're a fucking prick. Seriously. <laughs> uh and that's all I really remember for a long time. And then, you know, once I made the transition, once I made the jump, which was a significant thing for me, at least I know it is for everybody. For me, it seemed to be, had to be in public in front of everything, which I hated. Um, but it was after that, I kind of started seeing him in a different light. I was like, okay, all right. And it wasn't truly until P2, because Martin, a lot of people don't know this, Martin was the lead facilitator in P2 for a long time. And man, he was, he was fantastic in P2. He was fantastic in P2. And he picked on me relentlessly in P2 because of our altercations of the walk. He just wasn't letting me get through easy. Um, and it was the eulogy process. Um, is it okay to say that? Yeah. All right. Um, on Sunday where that, that tore me up. Yeah. I mean, of anything that ever happened in the rooms that tore me up. My P2 was my significant change, not the walk. My P2 was my significant change. And it was that process. And I, I walked in the room a mess. And Amy Brock was the TA that was in our small group for the eulogy because, you know, they're all. And she went around it and she looked at me and we had to read them. And I just looked at her and I was like, this is not happening. And I don't think I got through it. I don't think I was um, comprehensible. And when everybody was done, Martin walked over and puts a microphone on my shoulder. And I just looked up at him and I said, <laughs> And so in that moment, in that training, he and I kind of, we kind of buried the hatchet from the walk. And I think we, we got a different respect for each other because he wasn't letting me slide. He wasn't letting me play soft. He was holding me to a different level. Um, and... I knew it. And so from that moment, he became very special. Um, and I remember <clears throat> when we got the call. This is, this is a cool story. Nobody knows this. When we got the call 
that Kevin was stepping down as weekend walk facilitator or leaving or whatever that situation was. I don't know what happened there. Um, and Martin was taking over weekend walk facilitator. We found out right before Step Beyond and Martin was to take over the following month in January. Martin was giddy. <laughs> I mean, he he had a small group right next to me. Um in Step Beyond. He was a TA in Step Beyond. And he was the TA in the group next to me. And we were joking and laughing and cutting up in between. And, and just, it was the most real I had seen him ever. Still to this day, it's the most real that I'd seen him. He was, oh man, he was like us on contract day or on stretch day. That's what he reminded me of. He was pure joy. He was ecstatic. He was excited. And that that was that's the memory that I have of him. That's the memory that I'll always have of him in my head. When I think of Martin, that's that smile, that that kid, that excited little kid is the memory that I'll always have of him. And that's probably the coolest memory and it was so quick. I mean, it was a millisecond. And it's it's weird how that memory sticks with you because you, when you see somebody for the first time, really who they are for the first time, you don't forget it. And that's who he was. And man, I, I just I got I've I've I'm honored to be part of that team with him and see who he was and how we were playing with each other and having fun and cutting up and and. But we came together when the time when the door shut and, you know, when we, when we needed to. But, man, that's, that's the guy, man. That's the guy. That's him. So I got my SGL hat and I was so excited. And the morning after I got it, I was coming down in the elevators and I was doing a live on Facebook for the graduates that I had already been friends with. And I'm in the elevator and I'm recording and I'm like, look at my new hat. And oh, then the doors opened and I was still petrified of Martin and Lori, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the doors opened and Martin looked at me and I looked at him and I just faced forward and he chuckled a little bit and he walked out. And when he left, he was just waving and smiling at me and stuff. But it was just so funny because I just was like a deer in the headlights. Like, I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and later that day, I was my first time that I actually, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up the gumption and, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go hug Martin and Lori. You go tell me like, I'm like, every other girl did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hug Martin and Lori. Oh, my gosh. And, um still petrified of them. I thought they were going to ask me questions. And I went over and I was like, I just needed to hug you guys. Like, I just wanted to hug you guys because I'm scared as crap of you. <laughs> and Lori looked at Martin and said, are we scary? And Martin said, yes. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. He was just, he was awesome. Lately, I've been saying a lot. Like, I was trained by the best, and I owe it to the world to 
show that and be that um, in the best way that I can be. There's no words for the impact that he had on me and my daughter. Um, uh, He did all three of my trainings and he did my daughter's teen family camp and her um, step beyond also. And there's that, that aspect, but then when you're involved in the community and you're volunteering and you're helping out and stuff and you get to be in those crevices where it's not just a suit and tie, it's a lot different and you get to see different things. Um, one thing that always struck me about Martin was that he always knew what and who needed what, you know? Um, my walk Sunday was my absolute worst day through almost the whole training. Um, oddly enough, it's the day where everybody's happy. And I was distraught because I had a really big class. So I I had just gotten close to 50 strangers and I was determined that they were all going to leave me. And I was just a ball of tears, and I was a mess. And Martin came up to me and just handed me a bean. And he said, I see you. And I know you're struggling, and I have medicine for you. And that was just like, it just calmed my soul. Um, And of course, my classes stayed together and things, and it's not. you know, no, everybody hasn't left or whatever. We've, we've maintained pretty good contact, but it was just a little extra. Like he was just, he was extra. (laughs) He just was in many ways, but you know, when he saw somebody hurting or when he, he just always knew, he just always knew, like, even if you didn't know, he knew. (laughs) We had an opportunity at Martin's Memorial to leave some cards for him. And here are just a few cards that uh, many people left just sharing what he meant to them. The greatest gift I see in Martin is his love for everyone he came in contact with and how he would fight for them when they couldn't fight for themselves. Martin... The greatest gift I see in you is your never-ending love and compassion to help everyone. Godspeed, Joanne. The greatest gift I see in you is your strength, determination, and honor. Satellina. Martin, the greatest gift I saw in you is to meet folks where they were at and to speak truth with love. Stay connected. MGM. The greatest gift I saw in Martin was his way of cutting through anyone's crap in the most direct way without ever causing more hurt. The greatest gift I see in you is your passion and empathy for others. Love you, Carrie. The greatest gift I saw in Martin was his ability to see your heart, Ashley.
The greatest gift I saw in Martin was his ability to light up a room with just his smile and how he helps so many people. The greatest gift I see in you is your desire and commitment to use your gifts and talents to help others. Forever in my heart, Catherine. The greatest gift I see in you was your ability to see the good through the ugly. The greatest gift I saw in Martin was his genuine empathy, love, and respect he had for all that met him in the room on teams and in my personal life I'll never forget him Danielle the greatest gift I see in you is a gift of belief you truly believed what you what you taught the greatest gift in Martin is his strength and courage when standing in the gap for others Martin, the greatest gift I see in you is the amazing heart that you shared with everyone around you. Martin, the greatest gift I see in you is you lived heart level every day. You were true to who you are and you've touched and saved so many lives. I love you. You fought so hard for everyone to live the best life they could. Your strength and love shine through. We will all deeply miss your heart and spirit. Caroline. The greatest gift I see in you is your ability to love others when they could not. The greatest gift I see in you is the hope that you gave so many. You will forever be in my heart. The greatest gift I saw in Martin was his ability to see me without words. Martin, the greatest gift you gave me was knowing that you as a friend and an attorney would always get it done. Rest in heaven, friend. Cat. Martin, you saved me. Picked me up off the floor. Changed my life. You are so loved and so kind. Blesses beyond what I can say to have, have, have met you in this life. The greatest gift I see in you is your pure, gifted, and beautiful heart. You give selflessly and have saved thousands. Love always, Aruni. Martin, the greatest gift I see in you is your desire to want the best for everyone to see the good in themselves. Thank you for teaching me this. Love you, Martin. The greatest gift that I see in you is your ability to look into somebody's heart and help them help themselves. Bonnie Hunt, Christian Family Teen Camp, 2010. P.S. Not always in a friendly way. <laughs> the greatest gift I saw in Martin was his loyalty to me, no matter what the cost. I love you, Martin Boyd. Margaret. The greatest gift I see in you 
is how you bring so much comfort to a room. You are like a calm wave. We'll miss you forever. Alex. The greatest gift I see in you is your ability to see the best in everyone. Always extending grace and helping them see it for themselves. Love you always. Martin, the greatest gift I see in you is the ability to lead with an open heart and not care. And not care if someone doesn't want to hear it, especially if they need to hear it. The greatest gift I see in you is your ability to lead people out of the darkness with your bright, shining light. I promise to shine my light for others like you did for me. Love and light, Carla. (sighs) Martin, the greatest gift I see in you is your immeasurable, relentless compassion, love, and vulnerability. I will never forget my P2 training. I'm still alive today because of you. I love you, and I can't wait to see you again one day. Kaylee. Amber Passion. Martin was playing someone's bad guy in the contract circle. Man, was he good at that or what? But at some point, the contract went in a different direction. So Martin went and hid behind the PC stand, so the bad guy was out of the picture, literally. He sat on that nasty floor in his three-piece suit with his knees drawn up, hiding. I don't know how long, but easily 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And he never moved, even though I'm sure he was physically uncomfortable and probably sore. At the end, he came out again as the bad guy, so the trainee could address him again and claim their truth. That was who he was. No ego. No thank you needed. I don't think anyone aside from the TA team ever even knew he did it. Whatever it took, he gave it so freely. The world needs more people like that. Jamie Smith. A poem of love for Martin. When I walked in that room, as so many others, I was a nervous wreck. On the edge of losing it all. Giving up and becoming worse than sick. When I walked into those doors, my eyes met yours, and suddenly things didn't seem so sore. When What you did for me, Martin, there really are no words to express. You stood in the gap for me when I couldn't even stand there myself. Your passion, your love, your open heart. I never would have imagined you would keep me from falling further apart. I wasn't sure I had hope left, but you taught me how to again love my whole self. God led you to me. In that class, no doubt. And now in this crazy world, I still can't understand how you've gone out. Thank you, Martin, for so much more, more than love. For what you did for so many others and myself is truly a God-sent gift from above. Thank you, Martin, for standing in front of me, beside me, and behind me. And thank you for giving me back my voice, which I thought I had forever been lost. We love you. Laurie Callahan. She said, Martin helped me take suicide off the table. It was on top, smack dab in the middle of the table when I entered that training room. I almost left the training room, but Bridget sick Martin on me, and he talked me down and walked me through the grueling process of self-inflection. I will never forget his compassion and genuine concern. Empathy oozed from that man's body. 
I reconnected with myself in that training room. I'm living the life of my dreams now, and I cannot deny that part Martin played a huge part in. If I can dream, and I can now, and I do, I am able to live out my contract because he used his own pain to help me through mine. I will forever be grateful. Fly high, sweet man. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk hand in hand Tell me why, oh why, oh why Can't my dream come true? Oh why, there must be peace and understanding Sometimes Strong winds of promise That will blow away The doubt And fear If I can dream Of a warmer sun Where hope keeps shining On everyone Tell me why Oh why Oh why Won't that sun The answer's, answer's gonna come somehow. 